Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Dylan Buckingham, who, of course, does uh, sports anchoring for K4, as well as Franchise Oklahoma host over there from 10 to 1 p.m. He joins us on the phone lines. And Dylan, appreciate you joining us, man. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate you guys having me. Well, absolutely. It's good to have you on because we know that there's been some intrigue over here in the state of Arkansas from Oklahoma City and the Thunder, particularly, mainly due to the geographical side of things. We have a lot of fans that are here, but now they drafted Jalen Williams, or J-Will, I should say, not J-A-Dub, J-Will, because we got to distinguish between the two. But, uh, yeah, so what? just tell us kind of how everything's going over there for the Thunder and particularly Jalen Williams and how he's fitting in. Yeah, what, what Jalen Williams talking about again? I'm just, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no, it's I, a lot of thoughts and prayers actually out to people who are uh, trying to figure out, like for sports broadcasters in particular, who are trying to figure out who's on the floor for Oklahoma City. But honestly, um, you know, it, it's been fun to watch so far how they've kind of integrated these guys in just through a couple of games so far. And Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, J Dub, you know, is a guy that's gotten a lot of minutes and people have high expectations for who just tested through the combine now. As you're talking about Arkansas, Jalen Williams, Jay Will, who, you know, I, I've got to tell you, right now it seems a little quiet with how they've used him through a couple of games. But from what I understand through people I've talked to, there's a really, really high confidence in this guy being able to work his way into the rotation. You know, there's a guy named Jeremiah Robinson Earl who was a Thunder who was a, uh, a second-round pick last year. And many think he could either be like him or be better than him. Uh, he was a guy who suffered a foot injury last year, and so he didn't get to show off his skills as much. But with Jay Will, it's been fun to watch him kind of do the gritty things that Oklahoma City enjoys. And I kind of got to see a little bit of that too when he's in Arkansas. But the Thunder like guys who are physical, who will defend, who are kind of relentless, uh, and who will take charges. And one of the things they were most fired up about in the first summer league game was his ability to take charges. So he's finding his way to get minutes, and I think once he gets a little bit more of a comfort level with the NBA – you're going to see him kind of sneak into the rotation a little more here and there. Now, as it pertains to what they're trying to do long-term, I think it's still up in the air. I think they're still trying to figure out, do they want to try and tank it for one more year, or do they really want to put their foot on the gas with SGA, Josh Giddy, and now Chet? I think there's a really good opportunity at this time for Oklahoma City to make a push for a play-in game, but a lot of that's also going to have to do with health. So if Oklahoma City can stay healthy, they find themselves somewhere within striking distance at the All-Star break next year, I think they might go for a, a play-in contest and kind of start this rebuild uh, to put it on the back burner a little bit. Thunder are a team that is really deep with young talent, and uh, some of the young talent you mentioned, of course, they're going to be there, uh, probably that core for the long run. But what's kind of been the pattern with uh, some of their young talent as far as when they get them into the organization? Are they uh, are they playing G League some of the time so that they're getting that extra playing time in? or are they just an active part of the NBA team for the most part of the year? It really depends on who you're asking about, which is kind of crazy, because or, or what you see on a night-in, night-out basis. Because for a guy like Lou Dort, he comes in a couple of years ago completely undrafted. The Thunder just liked what he brought to the table, thought he had a high motor. Uh, so he signs an undrafted free agent contract. And then before you know it, He's with the G League team, and then it's a two-way deal, and that's converted to a standard NBA deal, and now he signed for uh, nearly $90 million. So he's absolutely torching it. It just kind of depends. Like, they haven't been afraid to drop anybody down, and the thing that's maybe most impressive about some of these guys they have drafted 
is that you have a guy like Alexei Pokashevsky, who is what they call kind of a unicorn who people like to compare to Chet Holmgren. He's uh, a youngster out of uh, Serbia, and he played in the second tier of Serbian pro basketball. But Sam Presti loved what his upside was. So when they brought him into the fold, you know, they kind of keep saying, hey, we're just going to draft guys. We have a lot of uh, assets in the draft that we can put together to see if we can make these guys work. And quite honestly, he was receptive about being dropped down to the Oklahoma City Blue, the G League team. Teo Maladon, another name who is a a guy in a crowded uh, backcourt for Oklahoma City. He's dropped down a couple of times. Honestly, they're just truly trying to throw these guys in trial by fire. That's why you see them stink on a night-in and night-out basis right now because they're kind of seeing what sticks whenever they stick them out there in the uh, in the pro game. But, you know, Thunder, I, I think they've kind of got their core guys. From what I can understand and I kind of hear from Sam Preston and some people I talk to, they love this war. Yeah, we're going to try to get a better connection with Dylan there because it was kind of cutting up on him. But, yeah, that that was the thing with uh, with Oklahoma City is, you know, uh, they, they've not been very good over the past few years, but they have a history and a very short history, but a lot of a lot of uh, good play and good years, and now they're just kind of trying to get back to that. They've done really well in the draft. We know guys that they drafted in the very first part of them being an organization, guys like Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, probably have heard of them. Uh, they've made some moves and trades and gotten some pretty big-time players there as well. And now they're kind of looking at Chet Holmgren as being the next big thing, which, again, it's hard to tell so early in someone's career whether or not they're going to be it, but the potential's there. So maybe they'll be able to uh, to make things happen there. And, you know, w- the way they've drafted and developed players it could be a quick turnaround because that's, that's kind of the thing that's about uh, the NBA uh, is just in basketball in general. You just need a couple of players here and there. Uh, to be able to change it up, and we got Dylan back with us. And Dylan, I was just, you know, talking about with Chet Holmgren and everything. Obviously, it's so early in the part of his uh, career, and early in the part of his uh, summer league and everything. But man, it is hard if you're an Oklahoma City fan not to be just absolutely excited about the potential that Chet Holmgren brings. Absolutely, he is. I mean, you know, if if you haven't watched him play, and I know he's on the West Coast, and I know it's tougher for some people to stay up late and watch him. He is an absolute. I mean, and his ability to attack the basket off the dribble, I think, is what's really kind of set him apart. I mean, yes, he has a great shooting stroke. You're comfortable with him shooting threes. But this kid, his ability ability to attack the basket is what separates him. And with a lot of bigs you see in basketball, in my opinion, you kind of – you see what they're really good at, but they have a discrepancy somewhere. Like, as great as Shaq was, and please don't think I'm comparing him to Shaq, but, you know, his big knock was his free throw shooting. Chet doesn't have that problem. You trust Chet to get the ball at the top of the perimeter, maybe facilitate a little bit and attack. And that's what makes him so phenomenal phenomenal to watch. I can tell you Oklahoma City tried like crazy to trade up to get Evan Mobley last year with all their draft assets because they liked that he had an inside-out game. Chet seems to be on a better trajectory at this point where they're comfortable with him shooting three-pointers and attacking the basket in that scenario as well. So I know Evan didn't shoot a ton of threes last year for Cleveland, but with Chet, it kind of seems like he's got a green light to do whatever he wants with this offense. And that's just through two summer league games. I know I'm probably reading too much into it. Uh, I know a lot of people like to get mad at his physique right now and say, oh, he's too small. But, you know, honestly, I don't know how much weight he needs to put on. You get a bunch of weight on that frame, and that's not good for your lower body. We've seen it with Zion, Kevin Durant, who put some weight on his skinny frame, had a Jones fracture injury in Oklahoma City as well. So, you know, I think for him, it's just kind of getting his wind back, getting his legs, and uh, seeing what this kid can do, because um, honestly, it's it's impressive to watch so far. 
Well, yeah, so far it's looked really good, and especially with Chet and uh, Josh Giddy playing well together, and they kind of play off each other. What did you see from Josh Giddy during his first year and now where he is going into his second season? It's interesting, too, because whenever he gets drafted last year, everyone here is kind of like, ugh, that's who you got? You know, a guy from Australia who you don't really know about, but uh, he quickly won the fans over here with his ability to, to pass. I mean, that's his biggest thing. That's his biggest asset. You know, I think if there's one knock in his game, maybe he's a little too, I don't want to say not aggressive, that's not the right term, but he doesn't like to push too much. He's a little more patient with how he attacks. And his jump shot needs a little bit of work. But, you know, with him and Chet together, it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. And I say that from a perspective of, yes, those dudes can hit the pick and roll, you know, lob at the basket, call it good. But, you know, they can also roll the pick and pop like crazy. And that's where this is going to get taken to the next level with those two. And Giddy is a pass-first guard. He's got great size. He's just got to work on his finishing a little bit. And, and what the craziest part about this whole thing is, you know, we keep talking about this core and these young guys. And I know SGA is kind of the elder statesman who played with Chris Paul and got, you know, that experience. What's wild is we've only got like two or three games under our belt with SGA and Josh Giddy playing together. And Josh Giddy was the primary ball handler when those two played together. And it was, it was successful for Oklahoma City. And shortly after that, uh, Josh Giddy was shut down with a hip injury. Shea had the ankle. And before you know it, you just kind of thinking like, what could be? And that's going to be the interesting dynamic if they can keep those two healthy and they can get it you know, on the floor together. It, it could be very, very dangerous with Chad. I mean, it's going to be one of those things where people might not see him coming. Now, again, I'm not saying big playoff run, but I am saying give it a little bit of time and it could be scary. SGA has been impressive in his time there. You still consider him to be the best player on the team? You know, I do. I really do. And people like to give me a hard time about it because some people think it's Josh. Some people are already saying it's Chet with the kind of attitude he has because he's got that swagger and that cockiness. But the thing about Shea that is really unfortunate is that his game doesn't have a ton of flash. And that's the difference. Like, you watch Jaw play, he's got a ton of flash. The dude jumps out of the gym. I mean, he's awesome. But you look at Shea, and it's like, okay, you're watching him attack the basket, get some and ones, a couple layups here and there. He might have, like, two or three dunks on the season. But then you look down, and before you know it, he's got, like, 27 points. And you're going, how did he do that? And that's kind of his game. He's not super flashy. He just goes, does his business, and plays really well. And, he, you know, he had a rough year shooting the three last season. But I think it's his team. And I think the year he spent with Chris Paul was absolutely instrumental in his development. Now, I'm very curious to see how he kind of takes how Chris Paul led and, and kind of puts it towards this season and next season with some of the younger guys on the team. Because they're all kind of coming up together. And I think Oklahoma City's positioned themselves well. And they love Shea. I mean, they've locked him down for as long as they can lock him down. Now it's about keeping him happy and seeing if he can take that next step. You kind of had some fun with this earlier when we were discussing everything going on in the NBA, and I'm sure this is something that has probably been discussed on your radio show and people asking about it. But the whole Kevin Durant back to OKC thing, you know, we see it happen a lot in sports. <laughs> We've seen it happen when LeBron went back to Cleveland and, like, all of that. But this is definitely something that it might – could possibly happen like what what do you make of that possibility and if it happened what what would be going on there in Oklahoma City oh man uh, we have talked about it and we we on our show a lot of times like to joke about the movie Armageddon uh, so basically like the worst parts of the Bible if he came back it'd be the correct the, the craziest fanatic response you've ever seen in your life um, honestly I, I don't know if it happens I really don't think it does and it's not because of 
you know, Kevin having a hatred for Oklahoma City after what happened when he chose to leave and go to Golden State or anything like that. I just think that Kevin's evolved so far past it that he cares more about life outside of basketball. Now, from what I understand, one of the big draws about Brooklyn wasn't just going to play with Kyrie or going to build a super team out in Brooklyn. It was the fact that he and his business partner slash agent, Rich Kleiman, could can really facilitate some things outside of basketball and grow that brand even more. And that's originally why they went to San Francisco and Golden State. So, you know, I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd be lying if I said people here haven't put that together. They are all in on Kevin Durant getting back. And quite honestly, the Thunder have the draft capital in terms of assets to trade for him. I just don't think Sam Presti has the, the right kind of talent player-wise to make that happen. I think that they wanted to go more of an organic route in terms of trying to rebuild after Kevin and Russ and James all left because it's honestly a little bit easier to keep those guys around as opposed to just trying to build through uh, trade. Sam Presti is very, very big on building through the draft and not so much building through trade like a, you see in L.A. do quite regularly. So it would be awesome if he came back. I wouldn't be shocked if at some time he comes back and signs like a one-day deal to you know, retire with Oklahoma City. But I'd also say that's kind of up in the air as well because his first year was fit in Seattle. So I don't think Kevin has Oklahoma City on his radar at all, unfortunately. What was great for the Thunder is, as you mentioned about the draft capital, and, and they've done this before. So this will be a second time around. But in, in thinking like that, as far as the young talent that's already in place, the draft picks that are available to them, how, how soon do you see this team competing as far as – making playoff runs runs okay so i I have here's my weird take on the nba i think it takes a year for you to kind of get punched in the face your first playoff run as a young team to go out there and go okay we can hang with these dudes we know about the physicality we know we have to do differently to go out there and have success and you know for the thunder i could easily see this year being a play-in type season and if i had to compare it i would honestly say it could be like memphis and what we saw with jaw a year ago, they go and take on Golden State, and they're in the playing game, and they just don't really have this fear. They were almost naive to it, honestly. Like, you know, you're going against a team that has championship DNA, and they just didn't care. So it's pretty cool to see that. And I think Oklahoma City could do that this year. Now, I think they're going to literally get to the All-Star break, and then they're going to see where they're at. I think they're going to figure out if they're within striking distance of potentially being in the lottery or – could we maybe make a little push here and maybe see if we could get to a play-in type of game and, and, you know, get our guys a little bit of that experience. So, honestly, I don't have the answer to that because I think health is going to play a, a big part into that. Shea's been hurt the last two years. Josh Giddy gets hurt last year. Misses the last, you know, 20, 25 games of the season. Costs him a shot of being an all-rookie type player and an all-NBA uh, rookie of the year, honestly. So, you know, it's going to be a big part of health and whether or not they can kind of gel together in a quick period. And if they can, I would say play in as their ceiling next season. And then two years, three years, then you start seeing, the, okay, they're in the four spot. They're in the six spot. They're making this push right here. They're getting a couple rounds under their belt. That's, that's where I think the trajectory is for this team right, is right now. Yeah, that's actually going to be my next question of what kind of the expectations were from the fans. And, you know, we were talking about basketball. It's so much easier to get good quickly in basketball than it is other sports. But it's also, you know, pretty difficult to, whether it's free agency or trades or, you know, drafting or whatever, to keep everybody on the same team really happy and everything like that. So what what would you say is kind of the, the fan expectation? Is it something where – 
they say, okay, next year may be tough, but year two, three, we need to start competing, or are people just kind of sitting back and letting the process handle itself? They're, they're a little bit of both, actually. Um, last year was rough in terms of attendance. Oklahoma City's been really, really good attendance-wise. They've been in the top 15 in the league the last, I think it's 10 seasons. I think last year was their worst with like 23rd in the league in total attendance, which, you know, sounds rough, but it's the first time that Oklahoma City's been really bad and not had like any sort of expectations whatsoever. Like when they got here the first year, fans were pumped because it was basketball, it was new, there was Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, all those guys. Uh, but with this, they're starting to, it's starting to happen, you know, and I think next year fans are going to be all in because they're going to want to watch Chet. Team has the core that it's, you know, now connecting with. Josh Giddy's locked down. He's gonna, you know, he's in the second year of his deal. He's gonna eventually sign his rookie extension in Oklahoma City. So he's locked down for like eight years. Chay's here for like the next eight years. You look at Chet, he'll be here for the next eight years. And this is this is assuming Sam Presti doesn't do some kind of blockbuster with some young assets and brings in someone crazy, which he's not, you know, typically known for. He'll make a big move here and there, but it's you know, at the rate of trying to keep Russell Westbrook happy. So fans are excited because the core is set. And I even mentioned Jalen Williams, both of them. I mean, you've got a lot of young talent on this team that fans are really starting to buy into and start to think, okay, we'll see what happens this year, but we're getting in on the ground floor. We're going to watch this team do its thing. We're going to get excited about what we see. We know there's going to be some lumps and some growing pains, but we're all in. And I can tell you, the city is pumped. I mean, initially there was a little bit of lukewarm reaction on Chet. They liked the idea of a unicorn-type player. When they saw that Paolo goes number one, Jabari Smith sitting there, everyone's like, go get Jabari, go get Jabari. So there was a little bit of a lukewarm reaction, but after what they saw the first couple of games of Summer League, you know, it's not, not, all systems go. Foot is on the gas for Oklahoma City fans right now. So who's on this roster as a player that we're not talking about, that nobody's talking about and they should be talking about? Trey Mann. Trey Mann. That is, that's the guy. Um, he is a prolific score and you know the thing that that plays in his favor in today's nba is that it's not as much imperative to be a skilled person defensively and i'm that's probably like me polishing up him saying he's a bad defender he's got to do some work there but this man can fill it up and he does it in bunches and he's somebody that nobody's really talking about and when you start kind of putting this team together you know you can you can mix and match all kinds of different lineups they have size they've got great length and that doesn't even necessarily mean that they're a great defensive team, but Trey is that guy that can score in bunches. And I could see him taking minutes this year if Oklahoma City goes small from Darius Baisley, taking minutes from Luke Dort, uh, even Shea to some extent. I mean, he was one of the first guys off the bench towards the end of last season, and you know he has done nothing but just continue to get better, especially scoring the basketball. So that's the name that I tell everybody to watch for the next couple of years because right now you're kind of going, okay, Let's look at Chet. Let's look at Shea. Let's look at Josh Giddy. But, no, it's Trey Mann. And he's a guy that no one's talking about. That I'm telling you, if you start to watch his game, you will be thoroughly impressed with his ability through step-back jumpers and attacking the basket. Well, Dylan, we appreciate you joining us, man. Great stuff. Talk a little OKC Thunder. I know it's exciting times over there. And try to stay cool during these hot time of year, man. We'll be catching up with you later down the road. That sounds good, and I'm really sorry I turned into a robot halfway through that. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. We appreciate it. Y'all take care.